Hello, my name is Simon Miller from What Culture Wrestling, and you are listening to the Podmania Pro Wrestling Podcast, and you better keep listening to it. Why? Here's why. You're, You're listening, listening to the Podmania, Podmania Pro, Pro Wrestling, wrestling Podcast. Podcast, a sample of the best pro wrestling podcasts we can produce on our tiny budget. Check us out on Apple Podcasts, Podcast Addict, CastBox, and all other podcast platforms. If it's wrestling you want, check out more of our great content at podmania.co.uk. Let's do this. episode of the pod mania podcast we're back all three of us on one podcast god it has been so long since i've heard your voices i am so happy to be back and yes i am joined by both chris and garth how are you doing my sexy sexy friends fine it's, it's, it's funny you bring up sexy because someone from a dating site just messaged me a few weeks ago and said you'd look good in a dress and i'm like i would but like that's something you bring up after the third date not like Within the first three days of talking to each other, you know what I mean? You would look good in a dress, or you yeah, did I, look I, good I... in a dress. <laughs> oh, no, but she doesn't know I've worn a dress. Wait, now, now now people probably do. Hmm, anyway. Well, that's a hard take. Um, anyway, <laughs> random start, as is always. The reason we have been off, ladies and gentlemen, let's be perfectly, perfectly frank. There is a lot of wrestling in the world. And there is a lot of good wrestling in the world. And there's a lot of wrestling that we all, as a collective, want to watch. And we wanted to review it all in our podcast. And that, in retrospect, was folly. Because we are human. We're not big with foreign lines. Exactly. We are three men. And three men can't possibly cover the amount of wrestling that we wanted to cover. And to cover it all on a weekly basis and to have everything watched with full-time jobs, it was just becoming... <laughs> we don't get paid for this. It's, it's a hobby, it's something we want to enjoy doing, it's something that we do because we like talking about wrestling, and at least two of us, and I'm pretty sure all three of us, were getting to the point where it was getting it was getting like a chore to do it because we had to watch such and such, we had to watch this, we had to I watch had that. I had to watch fucking... Well, I had to watch that stupid stomping ground show for this because I was like, I don't want Rob to talk about that alone, and then you didn't fucking show up. That is true, <laughs> exactly. And that just... <laughs> Um, and that just sort of goes to show the headspace we were all in. So what we've decided to do, we've decided to completely renovate the, <laughs> the way we're doing the podcast again, which is something we've seemed to have done quite a few times. When we felt like things aren't working, we've sort of renovated things and changed things and the like. So what we're going to do is we're going to revert back to the way we used to do podcasts, the good Basically, old days. What happens- before I turned up. Yeah, we TNA'd ourselves. We did. We got too big. We tried to take on the big boys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got exactly to 30 Liffins and we're like, we could be Brian Alvarez. <laughs> <laughs> so what we're going to do is me and Garth and Chris are going to revert back to the good old days when it was just me and Garth. And we're going to start doing... Wow. I'm only joking, my man. <laughs> um, we're going to start reverting back to alternating weeks. So on a Thursday, one week we're going to do a list podcast followed by a retro pay-per-view the next week. And then we're going to keep on that sort of cycle. Now, as far as the pay-per-views are going to go, what we're going to do is we are going to get you, the pod maniacs, involved by 
choosing a pay-per-view each. I know. Well done, Garth. You can you can trademark that. I appreciate that. Um, by doing basically choosing a podcast, uh, sorry, a podcast, a pay-per-view each, point it on Twitter, and you guys can vote on which one we are going to do. And that is what brings us to this basically this review now because we put up a poll last week um and we the three pay-per-views you had to choose from all summer themed as obviously we are in the midst of an absolutely glorious british summer that has seen flood warnings across the country um <laughs> this we had SummerSlam <laughs> 1992 we had bash at the beach 1996 and the eventual winner chris's choice choice hey. choice nxt takeover brooklyn and that is what we're going to review very very shortly but unfortunately we've got to start <laughs> with some ridiculously serious news once again as is apparently what we've ended up doing at the start of every single podcast recently um we unfortunately, only get together when this happens. i know it, it's horrible isn't it um basically Today it has broken that um, WWE, WCW, NWA legend Harley Race has unfortunately lost his life today. It was broken by uh, Dustin Rhodes on Twitter, um, who said that basically he's he's passed away. He's lost his battle with illness, which I believe was lung cancer. Um, yeah, absolutely atrocious. A real pioneer of the industry. Um, he's... He's one of those that is synonymous with wrestling. You know, he is someone who people people always mention. Yeah, as he's one someone of the people were actually scared of. Yeah, like but... without doing anything dickish, people were scared of him. There's a great um, Mick Foley. Um, Mick Foley told a great story um, a, a few years ago where he he, he went up to Harley Race and was like, "Harley, why are you so confident in your fists?" And then um, Harley just went to him. It's like cactus. If I punch someone and they don't go down, I will walk behind them to see what's propping them up. <laughs> and it's like, he is the scare- It's like, I don't haven't watched a ton of Harley Race matches apart from like a few stuff, some stuff he did in Japan. But Jesus Christ, his promos, like his promos are just so cold and calculated. You can see like where Chris Jericho got his 2008 character from somewhere in how Harley Race cut promos because he, he in fact he was never very kinetic he'd just sit there and it's like it's like if your granddad was sticking, sitting there with a shotgun and going boy back in my day and it's just he's just amazing that's the thing it's just it was all confidence based it wasn't I'm screaming and shouting saying I'm gonna do this I'm gonna do that he just basically says what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna come down the ring and I'm gonna win that's it which is fair enough. And then he went to WWE and he dropped out to Haku, but you know. It's... Yeah. Then again, would you say no to Haku? <laughs> I think a problem was as well in his time in the WWE, he was injured. Yeah, you know. He was. He was wrestling with a. You can tell. The only um, WWE match I've seen of his, really, is when he was in a WrestleMania 4 Battle Royal and he didn't even get in the ring because he couldn't take the bump out of it. I believe it's. I mean, it's... Is it WrestleMania 3 where he battles Haku? For the sort of the the owner of the king gimmick. No, because he was the king at Mania Four, so it must have been Mania Five. What was it? It was um, it it, it was a Mania. I'm sure someone will correct. It was within that like three year span. Yeah, yeah, and I'm sure that he had he'd got some sort of either hernia or something wrong, and you can you can see it. 
you can see it in this match, and I believe he's had it sorted by then. So, you know, that's probably a massive reason as to why, you know, unfortunately he was seen perhaps more as a jobber during his time in the WWF. But, you know, as far as companies that he's worked for, he's worked for All Japan, he's worked for WCW, he's worked for Maple Leaf Wrestling, he's worked for Stampede, he's worked for, you know, NWA, WWF. This man was everywhere. He's in for the four major Hall of Fames, one of the only people to do so. Um, you know, he's, he's in the WWE sold. Hall of Fame, NWA Hall of Fame, the Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame, and the Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Fame. He's one of six men that is inducted in all four of those. Six. He's one of those names that's always sort of up alongside the likes of Dusty and Ric Flair and Sammartino, sort of in that bracket of people. Yeah. But like, I on think the actual... Because, because, like, when because he, he retired... Of- like earlier on, like I think obviously because the likes of Dusty and Ric Flair were in the limelight still, but aren't the limelight with Ric's case. It's like Hollywood sort of disappeared and just went into sort of training. Yeah. But his pro, if you watch some of his promos on YouTube and stuff, they're just, they are still like sort of relevant now. Like look at Samoa Joe, it's that same sort of like intense but not loud. When you. When you think of wrestling in the 80s, you sort of have two things in your mind. You sort of have, have like the bright colors of WWF with a lot of shit wrestlers like Hogan and Warrior. And then you had like the good stuff over in NWA with like yeah. um, Flair, Dusty, Sting, just, and Harley's among them and like the scariest fuckers among them. It's a sad it's a sad state of affairs. And unfortunately, that era of wrestling, we are getting to that point now where we are going to see the death of quite a few of these legends which is absolutely heartbreaking and it's a terrible thing so obviously you know our our thoughts our prayers go out to all of harley's family and friends and hopefully i mean it's only happened today i hope that hopefully you know they can start to feel hopefully for harley as well because it was a long illness you know hopefully he's found peace because seeing anyone go through that is horrendous there'll be plenty of tributes going out there just watch twi- Twitter and places like that. There'll, there'll be loads of tributes. So yeah. it'll be sort of kind of a celebration as well. Yeah. Awful loss. Awful loss. But a retro pay-per-view review this week. Chris, you won. Hey. You won this I week. I did. Which was sad for both me and Garth because I think both <laughs> of us were looking forward to looking at some 90s wrestling. Um <laughs> <laughs> which is why we've chosen the category for next time we'll get to that at the end of the uh, at the end of the podcast but now 2015 NXT which is obviously where we where we are during this podcast chris this was your wheelhouse wasn't it my oh friend? Abso- absolutely i remember the weekend of this very vividly i just left school started college that weekend this is my last cool thing before i have to go back to well college and i was like yes but this is going to be amazing. I, NXT was my most watched thing at this point. Like I was, this is where I started sampling a bit of everything. I had my toes in New Japan. I had my toes in Impact, and I jumped back out because it was shit. Um, a little bit of Ring of Honor, but like this, but NXT was like where I decided well, was like my main promotion at the time. It's just what I loved, and I remember such hype for this. I had never been more hyped for a show. No, and it it still holds 
up as one of the better takeovers even now you know even now at you know after the spate of 2017 onwards the fantastic takeovers this is still one that people talk about um well, this is like the first well not the first of the modern day because but something we'll get into later but the modern day takeovers are very tightly produced five matches each match getting like a perfect amount of time whereas this but was more paced like a wwe show but like this is where Takeover sort of grew up and stopped sort of being like developmental shot um, shows where like some things were a bit weird. Whereas you get to this and everything's at least solid. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the first time NXT Takeover had been outside of Full Sail, I believe. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, actually, I was going to bring it up um, in the first match because there was chance about it. But um, <laughs> did you notice during the Liger Breeze match the fuck Full Sail or the Full Sail yeah. suck chance? Um, that's did. because. That's because during the build-up, um, Full Sail started booing everyone because they were angry they weren't getting a takeover. Didn't Kev- I know. Didn't Kevin Owens cut a promo on them as well? Yeah. He was like, oh, right, if you're going to come here and now you're just booing us because we're going somewhere that isn't. Because, of course, Kevin Owens is synonymous with New York and Ring of Honor. Yes. So he's like, going, we're going to my home, New York, boo. It's like, I really don't fucking care if you bit It's a mate. Kevin Owens is great. But yeah, but what entitled cunts like, and they don't have takeovers ever again now, so fuck you. <laughs> well, as this is your wheelhouse, Chris, I know you are absolutely mm. desperate to take charge of this review from start to finish, and I am absolutely fine with that, because how long are your notes for this show? Um, the exact word count is 1,912 words, and that's after I deleted sections when you guys were annoyed about how many words of notes I had. <laughs> All right. Well, Chris... Over to you, my friend. Well, it's a mate. It's over to the show. Um, massive attendance, actually, for what is the first developmental show? Fifteen thousand five hundred eighty-nine people selling out the Barclays Center with quite an interesting set. Actually, it's the set they use in full sale, just brought into um, an arena. It's literally the one they use in like the last takeover before this, which I believe was unstoppable. And that fits surprisingly well in an arena, considering Soul Cell's like basically Curric and Harbour in Florida. Mm. Um, and it, the show opened with Triple H being in the ring, going, "You wanted the future, and the future is now." And did this whole NXT thing, which we expected him to do in Blackpool, but he didn't. He just came out when the cameras turned off. The bastard. But um, yeah, he did that. Very classy, not taking over the show and then just goes straight into the first match with Tyler Breeze versus Jushin Thunder Liger. And how this match came about was Tyler Breeze wanted a, a, a good opponent for Brooklyn. He he has a really good record. At, um, take I say that. He basically lost a bunch of times, beat Sami Zayn once, and in the first one he got beat up by Rusev. But uh, he, Alexander he's won- Rusev. Yeah. Right, okay, Gaff. Um, so, it's full title, damn it. Ta- Tyler Breeze was <laughs> angry, but, um, mostly because he never got his proper title match, because his first title match ended in controversy um, went, that he earned on the first NXT TakeOver, and then um, his receipt was getting a fatal four-way, which isn't a one-on-one match. So he's angry about that, and William Regal promised him a great opponent for, for Brooklyn, and it was Japanese junior legend Jushin Thunder Liger. And it's surprising he got signed because Ring of Honor were co-hosting his show with New Japan at the same exact time that mm-hmm. night doing Field of Honor um, over in some half-empty baseball stadium because Ring of Honor can't draw. Yeah. <laughs> ah, <laughs> so the hatred of Ring of, of Honor. Uh, what did you guys think of, think of the story going into this? Like, it's very simple. 
it's a good story, and it's it, it's a perfect way because it's Liger's uh, debut, isn't it? Well, not uh, d- debut. He's never appearing again. Well, yeah, he's, that's what I mean. Like it was. He's still of, signed but, with New Japan. It's very clear this is before New Japan became a threat. They sort of like bigged it up and they sort of said, "Oh, it's his mm-hmm. debut," blah, 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 which suppose like makes the result a bit odd. But um, I like the story. I think it's like Tyler Breeze at this point was obviously like one of the main guys as well. Like, yeah, he was the most tenured guy in um, NXT at this point quite well. Yeah, and was put on good matches, which is fucking incredible when you think what happened to him. Um, He's, he still would up until his last takeover. Yeah. But I really enjoy this match. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. Breeze's entrance before he got into the match, I think, was amazing. <laughs> I've always cat- liked that. So with good. the catwalk models and him coming out taking selfies with each of the models, I think it's great. I love Breeze's sort of Zoolander character. So just like, oh, it's so hard to be so incredibly good looking. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Um, but yeah, this match was incredibly simple. Though. Yeah, it was good. Like, it, it was uh, good, but like the Liger was very clearly just going through the motions to pop the crowd, which is fine because this is most of this crowd probably never got to see Liger live. Is it still still exciting to see Liger even at that point? Yeah, no, exactly. Um, Liger has still... this whole it's the mystique. No, exactly, because it's never been a mask. He's changed the mask a few times and then went back. It's amazing how he's managed to keep it this long, because Rey Mysterio hasn't managed right, and he's probably the biggest mask wrestler ever. Yeah. I mean, so, Garth, just, just to like... summarise what you've said, Corey Taylor... Actually, <laughs> uh, sorry, Corey Taylor. Oh, my God. Corey Taylor. I've been listening Very to Slim Not today. What can I say? <laughs> um, Corey Graves actually says at the end of the match, I cannot believe that I have just seen Jushin Thunder Liger hit a running Liger bomb in a WWE yeah. ring. Because let's face it, it nobody ever thought this was going to happen. I mean, Tyler Breeze waltzes out looking like he's shredded a bear and worn its skin <laughs> because it's the most the, the boots are the most outlandish thing I've ever seen in From my life. From his seasonal residence, exactly. And this is a great gimmick. <laughs> I mean, his entrance was absolutely superb. Got an absolutely enormous reception from Full Sail. Liger, not so much because you know what? From Full Sail. Yeah, be- sorry, you know what I mean. The Full Sail crowd. <laughs> it's the Full Sail crowd. They booed at Full Sail, but everyone knows that they bought tickets to Brooklyn. You fucking marks. Um, <laughs> so, so obviously Liger doesn't get quite get as big a reception, but still, still a fairly decent reception. And then we're treated to basically. The five moves. It's basically a YouTube compilation of these are the moves exactly. that Liger does. Um, yeah, Breeze got in like next to no offense. Any offense he did get in was rather simple. What I did enjoy though at the beginning was Liger's taunting of Breeze. Oh, I've, I've got that down here yeah, when he did Breeze's sort of corner taunt thing. Because last thing, Liger is not afraid to make fun of himself, which is well, he gets one thing... the selfie stick later, doesn't he? The selfie yeah. stick is fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> like, and he's very clearly relishing in how ridiculous it fucking is that Jushin Thunder Liger is has like propped up on the ring, do take himself. I think it's just, I love his ability to laugh at himself. There's yeah. a great clip in um, PWG actually, where they were doing um, the thumb and the bum spot, and. <laughs> I can hear Garth hating this. And then um, to Ruin save wrestling, damn it. <laughs> to, to save Sammy Callahan, Liger pushed Sammy out of the way and t- told Tommaso Champa to put his phone in that hole. <laughs> and, um, but Tommaso Champa couldn't. He was like, but you're juicing Liger. I can't do it. I, 
again, I just love Liger's ability to laugh at himself, basically. <laughs> I mean, but yeah, but this match was basically Liger hits signature move, Breeze sells, Breeze gets in a simple move, and then Liger gets that, um, just hits another signature move. Two After two Liger bomb attempts, Liger wins. I mean, the cannonball off the, rem- the ring was an absolutely great spot, and Breeze sold it very, very well, considering the landing sounded horrible as well. Oh, it did. It did. Liger's packing a bit of weight. Yeah, he's a chubby Liger. He's a chubby Liger in this one, I'm not going to lie. Thick boy. (laughs) He is thick boy. He's a thick daddy Liger. (laughs) But, uh... uh, The thing is about Liger, he always does that, but he never does it onto, like, a sea of people. He always does it onto one person, so he takes all the fucking fuck. Like, when anyone ever does that spot who isn't called Dushin from the Liger, they'll do it onto a sea of fucking security guards or something. But Liger's just like, oh, fuck my back. Boom. <laughs> Unless you're Lance Archer. Um, Unless you're Lance Archer. Fucking love Lance, Lance Archer. Is, he's doing so well, but we can't talk about modern wrestling right now. Lance Archer is bae. Um, yeah, I, I enjoyed this match. I, I think it's upsetting when you think about Tyler Breeze you think about Tyler Breeze in the WWE, this is his match. This is the one match that everyone goes back to and goes, yeah, but do you remember when he wrestled Jushin Thunder Liger? And A, I know it's Liger, but it's not that great a match. It's a a good match. It's a serviceable match. On on a normal NXT TV, this would probably end up being a match of the week or something, but like on a takeover card... You don't really get these anymore with just random international people to pop the crowd. And, like, like for what it was, it's fine, but at the same time, Breed was never going to have the match of his career with Liger. Like, the his matches with Bala, um, Hideo Itami, Sami Dane, and Apollo Crews, they're all, like, great 8 out of 10 matches. It's a bit of a shame, but this is what Breed is remembered for. It is, and it isn't, because, because uh, he's he the only has man in wrestled Jushin ever... Thunder Liger. He no, has got exactly. that rub. Yes, he lost, and yes, he lost quite handily in about eight minutes. But it doesn't matter. He has the rub of wrestling Juice and the Liger. The only thing that upsets me, like I say, is he had such a legacy in NXT that it's a shame that basically because he's been so spaffed up the wall on the main roster is that his one thing is the fact that, yes, he wrestled Juice and the Liger, but on, you know, in retrospect, it's... I mean, I gave it, I gave it five. If I I'm gave being, it six. Yeah, I've gone six. Okay, well, I'm. So, that's the way this like, works. Literally, literally, just for the Liger on the um, doing the poses. That's literally the only. Yeah, I mean, well, we I'll... have got to give it the one mark for comedy. Yes, I will grant you yeah. that Liger, considering he speaks no English, that that is. <laughs> no, he does. I've, I've heard Liger say in English, "Put your thumb in my asshole." So. I mean, there is that, I suppose. <laughs> it's, it's the one phrase he has in English. <laughs> but yeah, you know, it was a great opening for. a the crowd, you know, massacre. Can we just talk for a minute as well about at the start, Finn Balor has arrived and you look at an NXT takeover now and who they have in the crowd and things to pop the crowd. And you're like, shit, oh my God. Here, what they did was they just had Finn Balor turn up with Neville <laughs> and Cesaro. Cesaro, yeah. It was, it was like, odd, wasn't it? why it was are like, you? Why did Neville turn up in the same fucking car as Finn Balor? And why was Cesaro in the fucking well, car park waiting ne- for him? Neville, Neville and Balor have been established to get on, so that's one thing. I've no fucking clue why Cesaro <laughs> was there. 
<laughs> basically it was everyone like NXT Finn Balor just... alumni. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was the NXT Hall of Fame, just that car park. And <laughs> and then we had a very, 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 very pissed Scott Hall, clearly annoyed at the fact that a camera was in his oh. face. It's quite funny because, like, all of the fucking wolf pack look like um, sex pests. They all look like sex pests, and they're just sitting there. And I just saw a girl behind them. I'm like, oh, love, run, just run. <laughs> Not fast, because Kevin Nash will break his quads. But... <laughs> he is still one of the coolest men alive, though. You look at him; oh, Kev- he's just fucking Kevin Nash cool. Is... When he turned up, uh, was it Mania this year? And was just like, do you want to start with a rectal exam? No other wrestler could get away with saying that. No, no. no other wrestler could get away with that, but Kevin Nash can. Do you remember his Dr. Nash thing in TNA? Yes. Just going up to Sanjay Dutt. You're on the juice. Amazing. I Did you hear it. the depression love... in Garth's voice then when you mentioned Doctor Nash? <laughs> the Nash. <laughs> the, the depression in Garth's Garth voice. Dies. Whenever you mention, what always kills. I think what makes what makes Garth hates me is I only remember the bad shit from TNA. There's a lot to remember. In fairness, there's a lot to remember. Like front, like that random MMA fighter going up against AJ Styles for some reason. Or August one morning, it's the fucking what fifth year anniversary of that. God. Jesus. <laughs> Tito Ortiz. Anyway, um, cut to Bailey backstage being greeted by Beck, um, Flair and Becky since they're now both faces for a heel about three months ago. But, you know. No, Becky was a heel a month ago. Yeah, because Becky... on, the, on the promo video, it has Becky as a heel. Yeah, but, you know, they need to... Hey, Bailey needs to hug someone. So, and then Nia Jax is coming. Now, that isn't a, um, that isn't a package. That's a threat. Nia Jax is going to come and stink up your title matches. As far as this little promo package goes, it was it was pretty well produced, and Nia spoke really really well. It was it was a good. Yeah, promo. it's almost like she it's almost like she took had as many takes as she needed. It's almost <laughs> like she's got a very very charismatic cousin. Yeah, who might exactly. have given us some kind of you know tips. I remember I was thinking I, was, I remember seeing this at the time and thinking Nia Jax was going to be like um Austin Kong, and thinking that's cool. And if she's like anything like Austin Kong, I'll be happy. She's not. Let's think about being big. You either need to be stiff or need to be strong. She's not that strong, and she can't be trusted to work stiff. Unfortunately, so. we're looking back on this now, you know, and we know that she is just a drizzling shit. Whereas, yeah. you know, if you look at it, at it live in 2015, you might be thinking, "Holy shit, she might be. She could be a dominant monster in NXT." You know, yeah, no, it's something we didn't excited. have. It's something we didn't have at the time because we basically had technically superior Charlotte and that was the closest we had, thing we had to a monster. So it was quite exciting at the time. <laughs> and, and then cut to four months later when they're in fucking London and I'm like, why are they giving Nia Jax a baby Nia Jax? What is wrong with you, WWE? Why do you hurt me? But anyway. <laughs> uh, next we got onto another match. I, the thing is, but we talk, spent more time talking about these random segments. We talk about the shit that matters here on Podmania. (laughs) Anyway, there's probably not going to spend much time on this match. Vaud Villains versus Blake and Murphy. Now, Blake and Murphy, up until now, have been running roughshod on the tag division with help from Little Miss Bliss. Um, Beating crowd favourites like the Lucha Dragons, like winning the titles on a random um, episode of NXT. And also Enzo and Cass, which I thought would have been a better um, tag team to win the titles here. Yeah, but Enzo and Cass yeah. never won the tag titles. They never did. That wasn't the ch- that wasn't the 
thing at a time. Because I don't put it this way. By London, they were contenders again. And they sort of like, why not just have them win the championships in New York? That's a better feel-good moment than both villains, in my opinion. And it would make more sense for them to bring out blue pants. Right. <laughs> I can't be the only person. I mean, let's just start with the board villains. Massive reception. It seems so sad to see how into it at this point Simon Gotch and Aiden English were. Aiden English with hair, I by the way. I and love... the crowd, how much the crowd popped as well. I know. No, I think I, you know what I love? The, the subtlest thing. Because I watched them when we were here a few months ago when I did a retro review with um, the, what, the, one of the guys from the Irish Whip. And um, he, they came out and it was like a, a mean vaudeville thing. And then here they're coming out to like the <laughs> happy-go-lucky vaudeville thing. <laughs> I just love that tiny little change. It's what makes them face and heel. My favourite moment of the entire match. Aiden English standing on the apron going, Men are here! <laughs> Men are here! <laughs> that, that is how everyone, every man I, on the roster that... should come in. <laughs> I am a man and I am here! <laughs> Just get out of the ring. Where are the women? Like, the, Men like, are it was, they were both such good characters and such. And, and Simon Gotch wrestles for like an old, in a, a, a vaudeville style. It's the best yeah. way to describe how. He wrestles. We'll get onto that in a second, though. What do you guys think of Blake and Murphy? I used to, because this is when I used to dip in and out of NXT quite a bit, and I always enjoyed them because they were always quite, like, they were a really good team. And they, they didn't were, have a character. That, well, that's the thing. That, they were really good in the ring, but they, were, they didn't really do anything. I, I somewhat disagree with you. I somewhat disagree with you in the fact that they're good at their moves, but there's no fluidity in how they move. There's only. There's, only, there's one moment of fluidity in this match, and that's when we did the Golden Lovers double um, frog leap thing. But apart from that, they just sort of move. Things happen, move. It's sort of, there's no in-between. They're not good at selling. They're just yeah. good at moves. I always thought they were always quite... Because they were always sort of um, like quite roughhouse and hard-hitting. Yeah. And they were always quite crisp, and it always looked believable. That's what I liked. And then they just sort of split up. For me, but, yeah, it's upsetting when the most in- interesting thing about you is your manager. Um, no, exactly. And um, Chris, Alexa Bliss is such a charismatic talent uh, yeah. that you can't. She is, and I want to go into that. And well, I mean, you, yeah, she is. In that promo that she cuts before the match, just before they introduce Blue Pants, and you know who the fuck is Blue Pants? Um, but... Oh, I'll get into that. I'll, I'll, I'll tell. I'll give you the back. There's a rich backstory to Blue Pants. Good. We'll get into that in a minute. <laughs> but when she's cutting that promo, it it's such a rough edge version of Alexa Bliss because the Alexa Bliss now she's she's confident. She, she doesn't have to over exaggerate well, her nastiness. Well, but when she that... says pathetic, it's the most. I am an eight-year-old trying to upset my eight-year-old friend way of doing it. It hurts. It was like, yeah, I hate well, it I, so much. I, I, do, I do give her leeway because at this point, NXT was still very much developmental. Which is despite... fair enough. Which is fair enough, and but like, they are champions. Um, the NBC, they are, but she was, that thing as well, she was better on weekly TV. Yeah. She was much better on weekly TV. It's a, I think it's a case of she got start, um, crowd-struck and like, that, that, got stage that, right. Maybe. At that time, that tended to happen with a few of them. No, yeah. but I think this is the first time for most of these people wrestling in any in front of any more than like 500 people. So like people like um, Owens, um, who had been on the main roster for ages, Bala, who of course wrestled in front of big crowds in 
um, Huge Japan or Joe who have been wrestled in like Budokan, which is a similarly somewhat similarly sized venue, and it's and their final bit, but then you have like Bliss and all that. Yeah, I think you do need to remember that. But like now, if you're a big star in NXT, you have wrestled in front of a lot of people. This is the first time for most of these people, so I think yeah, you do need enough. to be somewhat forgiving. Fair enough. Anyway, so blue pants. Do you want to know about blue pants? Nothing would excite me more than to know about <laughs> a person whose in- entrance music physically made me wretch. <laughs> oh, I've got that What the fuck is that? At one point, I thought right. it was Aiden English singing the entrance theme. All right, so here's what happened. So this is why I mentioned Enzo and Cass before. So, <laughs> so they went to Carmella's... Um, hairdressing place and accidentally shaved the dog and wait who did enzo and cats how do you accidentally shave a dog it was like magic potion they called it and they, it it went on a dog they also went on a french guy it's it's a whole thing but anyway so uh... in my head right you know the spec savers advert when that guy that farmer accidentally shaves the dog instead of his sheep no, it's not quite like that. More, they picked up the... Pu- they, for some reason, the hairdresser made hair removal cream. But just, you touch it and your hair falls out. And so Jesus they picked that up, got into, say, that got, start, started fighting with each other, and it fell on the dog. So there was a bald dog and Carmella lost her job. Anyway, so, of course, the logical progression for a fired um, beautician is to become a wrestler, obviously. And so Carmella needed an opponent. And so... and. So Colin Cassidy just went backstage, picked the first girl wrestler he came across. He was Blue Pants, who was still just in like tracky bottoms because she didn't think she was on the show that night. And she just brought her out. It's like, what's your name? Whispered the name. It's like, and it's Blue Pants, ladies and gentlemen, from the clearance rack. And that's where all that comes from. And he started singing the Price is Right theme. And then she just got really fucking over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's not. It's not meant to be a good gimmick. It was meant to be a cheap pop to because um, leading it's up a to hard this, sell. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so leading up to this, the Vol villains have been saying we're going to have um, someone to um, fight Bliss, and because we're we're traditional men, we will not hit a lady, <laughs> and it's not quite the 2017 indie scene. But um, so then, yeah, Blue Pants was apparently the best person on the roster. Someone who never didn't get signed after this, mostly because she could not do anything. We'll get into that as we get into the match. Even Corey Graves uh, mentions that. Like, what the hell is she doing here? She doesn't even Corey. work here. <laughs> <laughs> no, literally, she was meant to be enhancement talent. We just brought her out, and she wasn't meant to get over. She's Lever Bates now in AEW. So yeah. that's Lever Bates. <laughs> that's yeah. Lever Bates. Oh, she's that's a librarian up. now. Things haven't got any she... better for her. Yeah, she, no, she she's, she's not improved at all. <laughs> Which I, and I'm not being funny. What's this? Four years ago, get retire, retire. If you're not, if you can't get better in four years, stop. Because it's not like she had any. Are you she, listening, like she, Nia Jax? <laughs> in fairness <laughs> to Nia Jax, her best match was late. Um, she's ever had was probably later this year with Bailey. So, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> On to the actual match. This was very simple. Um, Simon Gotch wrestled his vaudeville style, which I do love. Um, Corey Graves love kept it, talking. Love how he like rolls everywhere. <laughs> no, exactly. And then like the comp- like the Jack Gallagher style way of getting out of things is like yeah. just great and comical. I can imagine him in like Steamboat Willie. It's amazing. But anyway, um, 
Alexa, it's weird. Alexa Bliss was keeping the crowd engaged throughout this match, whereas Blue Pants looked visibly bored. <laughs> well, it was know. you're like fucking come on, Blue Pants. You're meant. Why is the heel keeping the crowd in this and not the face? What is wrong with you? Um, there was a cool free fall neckbreaker from the champs. I thought that was really cool. Um, Gotch got a hot tag and got a massive um, round of applause. Huge. Um, the problem was um, this felt like that none, there was no fluidity to any of the movements. So like rather moves were cool. It did not feel like a cool flowing tag team match like you'd seen now like Undisputed Era versus Birch and Larkin or versus Mustache Mountain, whatever. The problem I have with it is you have got Aiden English and Simon Gotch who they had that fluidity to their moves. Yeah, because they, is... they were wrestlers before they came here. Yeah, but... <laughs> There was fluidity there. Yeah. Blake no, and Murphy, it was headlock and headlock and headlock yeah. and headlock and headlock. And, you know, the commentary team, bless them, did try and sell this as, oh, they're trying to slow the tempo down. And I don't think it was. I think they literally just had no ideas. And now looking back <laughs> and looking at Buddy Murphy, who is, you know, absolutely phenomenal in ring. Oh, I... he's just he's incredible. And Wesley Blake, who is still a wrestler. You know, you <laughs> he is a wrestler. He is there. You know. it's, it's like it's like going, and he is a chef. I will give him nothing more. He is technically a chef. Just before we carry on, can we talk about Chris's weird man crush on Wesley Blake that he admitted to earlier this week? He is 2015. Wesley Blake is a very pretty man. <laughs> <Du-ba, du-ba, dum. laughs> no, I think I hate him now because he's a fucking knacker now. I would not. I would kick him out of bed now. But I would not kick 2015 Wesley Blake out of bed. <laughs> That's a tumbleweed. <laughs> oh, just carry on, for God's sake. <laughs> anyway, so so Murphy tries to roll up Gotch, gets a two, and then a whirling dervish out of nowhere gets the win. I thought it was a fun ending. A really fun ending. Although the whirling dervish is not a very good ending. No, I disagree. I really enjoy that move. I really enjoy it. I enjoyed the move, but I don't think it should be an ending. It's sort of like the machine guns um, run around, do grapple into kick thing. I I know know what they call it, but it's more a spot than it is an ending move. If you get the drift. Big fuck you to Jeff Hardy when he kicked out of a senton. Oh, yeah, but also like this was 2015, so fuck Jeff. Yeah. Big fuck you. Swanton, no. Two count. But a big neck breaker, three count. <laughs> a big neck breaker and a European uppercut. I I love that move though. Genuinely, I don't know what it I is. I don't know whether it's just the way I... they sold it or whether it's all it's the like motion a, in it. Old it. school. Yeah, move. I think that's what it is. Oh, but I, 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 no, I enjoy it. I, I just don't think it should be a finish. No. I think they got a better finish later on down the line, but I can't remember. Oh yeah, they they just started giving people concussions down the line, so. Um. <laughs> This is so yeah a fun and fun ma- uh, fun tag team match but not fluid. It, um, Blake and Murphy feel tacked together, and also when Labor Bates and Alexa Bliss got involved, it was not good because neither person was yet good. Alexa Bliss would become a very capable in ring worker, whereas Lever Bates would go on to be Lever Bates. Lever Bates will go on to own a library. In- she doesn't own a library. She just enjoys libraries. They've made it clear that she is not a librarian of anywhere. She just spends a lot of time in the library anywhere she goes. Yeah, that's the gimmick that's going to get over. Um... Yeah, I know, right? Um, I'd give it 6 <laughs> out of 10, to be I honest, because uh, I remember points in this match. 
Yeah, I'm happy for six. Garth? Yes, six. Sweet. Happy. Okay. Anyway, after this, we had that Neville and Finn um, segment, which fucking Rob ruined earlier. Thanks for that. Um, <laughs> and random fucking shot of Rick Rubin in the crowd. Like, oh, yeah, because the celebrity was in the, a big celebrity was in the crowd, Garth. Of course, they're going to show out. I was just about to go on to that. Yeah, Rick Rubin's in the crowd, taking t- time out of his day to not ruin a Metallica album to watch some wrestling, which was nice. Corey Graves absolutely fanboyed. It was hilarious. Yeah, Corey yeah, Graves strikes me as jeans. some. Corey Gray strikes me as someone who enjoys later Metallica. Yeah, probably. Likes to show that he like he knows things about music. Yeah, but here's the thing: well, Metallica's last album, like in 2017 or whatever, I thought that was decent. That was good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, very good album. I think, I think, but the thing is, I don't think Rick Rubin was anywhere near that one. See, I don't think Death Magnetic was that bad. Yeah, Death Magnetic, not bad at all. I don't think, I don't think it's awful, but like, it's definitely not. I would not go out my way to listen to it. If you're going to compare I mean, it to like... I mean, Rob Rock was the one that really fucked them over. I think Metallica that, uh... fucked Metallica over, to be fair. But, yeah, to be fair, Rick Rubin has proven himself to be good. Like, he did, like, the last five or six Johnny Cash albums. And while they're all, like, covers, they're amazing. Like, I'd, go, I'd recommend... Sorry, this is a music podcast now. I'd recommend you go out your way to listen to the American Sessions Johnny Cash albums, because they're just amazing. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I, I, I think the worst Metallica album is Saint Anger. I think we can all agree on oh, yeah. that. Um, well, even yeah, though there are not... some decent songns on Saint Anger, but um, yeah, I, I don't have a problem with Death Magnetic. I don't have a problem with Hardwired. I think Hardwired's a really good album, actually. Um, yeah, I, don't, I, I, yeah. I, to be honest, it was just meant to be a cheap joke. I didn't expect any of us to, <laughs> to guess take huge offense. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I did not. I forgot I was talking to you, Rob. I completely forgot. Because when me and Garth talk music, it's all like Oasis for strokes and all that. And then I forgot that you're here. Well, I like my fair share of metal as well. I know you're like, I was in a metal band in school. So like, well, like you we're look like you'd be in a metal band, to be fair. Oh, I, I'd show you the pictures if we weren't recording. Uh, anyway. Story, the, the next match was Ty Dillinger versus Apollo Crews. Now, the story here is Ty Dillinger is a jobber and Apollo Crews needs to go over someone and CJ Parker's left. So, yeah. um, CJ Parker was used to be the de facto um, jobber putting over anyone who came in. He put over Baron Corbin, he put over Bill Dempsey, he put over Kevin Owens, etc. And that, now we have um, Ty Dillinger being called up to the jobber role and he would eventually get super fucking over which I'm sure we'll cover at another point next time we do a takeover but it was actually kind of over here but anyway Apollo Crews is Uha Nation from um, the Indies mostly known for Dragon Gate USA um, Preston CW, City Wrestling and Preston C- that's the thing He's his, his main thing of the UK is fucking Preston City Wrestling can't go wrong with Preston City Wrestling mate yeah, yeah, you fucking can. It's like the worst big promotion in the UK. Oh, guys, just quickly, sorry. I meant to ask you this before. I got completely distracted when Chris mentioned Rick Rubin. <laughs> <laughs> um, what do we prefer? Little Miss Bliss or the Mistress of Misery? The commentary team tried so hard to put Mistress of Misery over for Alexa Bliss. I think it's Little Miss Bliss um, sounds more menacing, oddly enough. Yeah, Five Feet of Fury, right. Mistress of Misery sounds like that really shit metal's cover band that you'd listen to because your mate was in it at school. And you're like... My, no. my, my metal band. My cover metal band in school. 
What was your metal band called in school? Oh, we changed. We never had a proper name, so we just changed it every show. TBA. <laughs> TBA. No, we get um. Sumpf was what we just end up doing Sumpf. like Sumpf. Because <laughs> literally, we didn't have a name, and we were playing the East Linton Gala. And Rob, you were in bands, weren't you? We don't talk about that. <laughs> no, we do because I didn't know this. You were in bands. Yes. <laughs> Tell me about it. I was in a pop punk band. Uh, called... Of course you fucking was. <laughs> of course you fucking was. Was it Junior? With Mark Andrews. <laughs> <laughs> it's what I base my look on now. Just Mark Andrews. Um, and then I was in a like bluesy garage band. I, so, yeah. I would not see that. I would not see that with you. It's like if I heard that Garth was in like a, a bluesy garage band. band, actually. Yeah, a reggae band. Yeah. <laughs> some reggae please. Garth. <laughs> it's it's no big thing. I'm gonna go watch the impact. Anyway, uh... <laughs> this went off the fucking rails very quickly. It's because we haven't anyway, done it in ages. It's back to Uha Nation. Sorry. And um, thing is about this match, it was very simple. Um, Ty got the heat for a while, and then then Apollo hit all his big moves. Thing is, is though. Apollo has not been, has never done half the shit he could do in the Indies in WWE. Probably because we told him to slow it down. Because Apollo is like the perfect signing at this time. He, um, he has other fundamentals. He has some exciting moves. Um, he has a great look. All he needs is a character, and that's what NXT can give you. But problem was, they called him up a year and a half too early. <laughs> so, this show. August twenty second, two thousand and fifteen. This was. Am I right in saying, Chris, this is Apollo Cruz's debut? In NXT, it's, it is his. They've been hyping him up for ages. He turned up in the crowd a few times, yeah, um, at takeovers, and he, he was clearly over in the building. They kept chanting "Uha" at him, yeah. Uh, but yeah, this is his first match, and okay. for his first match, it like it got they got him over in the building. Um, he never looked like he was under any serious threat, but like um, Ty getting it some licks in sort of showed he had development, yeah, that needed done. So like it was the perfect first match for him. So, but the only. August 22nd, yeah. 2015, yeah? Yeah. He was on the main roster. After the next Mania. April 4th, 2016. He was in NXT no. for 226 days. He was in NXT he... for less than a year. Exactly. And he needed that character. The thing is, he had some really good matches well done there. He had a great match with Finn Balor on NXT um, TV. And they were just starting to build that character. And like then... Vince McMahon must have saw him and it's like, ah, he's like Bobby Lashley but can do fucking flips. Get him up here. And it's like, yeah, he needed time and energy because he doesn't have the promo. He doesn't have any of that. He just has... Has absolutely no personality at all. No, exactly. And NXT, NXT at this time could give you a personality. Look at Tyler Breeze. Look at, look at the, look at like the price fighter, I'm doing this for my family thing Kevin Owens has. That was an NXT thing. I don't think that was a thing on the Indies. Yeah. Yeah. So... Like NXT at this time could give you characters. It's not like it is now. It's like, right, come in, um, have the best matches of your career for six months, and then we'll put you on the main roster to disappoint everyone. Like, yeah. anyway, so, um, basic. So just to run through what happened in this match, uh, Apollo starts off with some impressive, impressive agility. Ty gets the heat for a while, drop kicking him to the outside. 
And then a super kick um, got changed into an insecurity for crew to take control. He does his WWE 2K comeback, which I always give my cards because <laughs> it's really cool. And um, then he ends it with the gorilla press into Moon. So um, that it's not a great finish. I feel it's a bit too contrived. It's a great spot. It's like Darwin De- um, Devlin's Urinagi into a moonsault. It's a great near fall, but it's not a good finish. No, but it should would, not have been the would, finish. He would change it to a um, like a side of suplex position turned into a power bomb, like a blue thunder bomb, but like with a pause in the middle, which I think works a lot better for him. It was a good showcase for Cruz. Um, got him over in the building, and that's all he needed to do. I'd give it a five out of ten. Yep, five out of ten just to. I'm fine with five, but we keep talking about Ty. I assume you mean Stan. (laughs) I assume you are talking about Stan. The same man, the infamous man, super kicked because they don't know controversy, DX. I assume that's who you mean, Chris. Moving on. (laughs) Moving the fuck on. Right, so William Regal announces the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic, a memorial tournament for the recently deceased Dusty Rhodes, um, which is a very classy move, I think. It's the exact kind of tournament Dusty would have booked. So I think it's a great thing to do. The only problem was one cunt in the crowd chanting what? Yeah. Did you hear that? That's the fucking worst chant ever, that man. I hear it. It is awful. And to do it during the announcement of a memorial tournament for someone who had died, what, a month before this? Yeah. It's ridiculous. Bastard. Anyway, um, then we have the tough enough competitors in the crowd. Lads, I have notes on the tough enough and the four people from tough enough. Sit back. <laughs> Sit back, Garth. It's going to be a I've long never one. I've never seen them. It's not going to be a long one. Okay, so I'm just going to go over um, who we are. So Sarah Lee um, was the eventual winner because I actually watched tough enough quite recently. Um, went absolutely nowhere um, despite being the female winner. Um, Paige hated her. She kept going, show me personality, and she never did. She basically won by not being the worst every week. <laughs> like, you know those people who, like, get through just by being average and no one ever touches them? Uh, basically that. That's how I get through um, life. <laughs> it's how I get through class. And, um, <laughs> she's n- and her- she's started a family with Wesley Blake, which is good for her. Um, then we have Josh, the male winner. Daniel Bryan hated him. Seems to be because... a theme here. <laughs> no, Danny Bryan hated him for a legitimate reason because um he was arguing with Patrick now Velveteen Dream. Velveteen Dream. And um he said, I am bigger than you, therefore I'm more likely to get signed. And of course, Danny oh, Bryan took offense to that. Although Hulk Hogan loved him. Um <laughs> oddly. Hmm. Strange that. Literally, yeah. Um yeah, he became the male winner, um, got released about a year into training. Um, then there's Josh. No, that's who I just talked about. Then there's Mandy, who um, was full runner-up. She can now be seen um, stinking up SmackDown and reviewing donuts with Tony DeVille on their Instagram. Um, and then we have Zizi, who is the love of my life. He was shit, but everyone loved him and kept voting for him. Who? Zizi. <laughs> Did you not watch Tough Enough back in 2015, Gar? I watched Tough Enough series one, and then I never watched it again. I the one friend... with Josh Matthews. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh um, what is that the one where Hardcore Holly came in and beat up everyone? I legitimately beat them up. That's incredible. I, know, I think John Hardcore... Morrison was in that one as well. Yeah, so it was Ryback, I believe. Um, and maybe The Miz was he in that? Last thing. 
tough enough. That's the million a dollar tough enough, isn't it? That's the one yeah, with when, um, oh, who's the guy that's got absolutely annihilated in the Royal Rumble because he tried to uh, oh, he tried to legit Puder. oh yeah Daniel Puder tried to legit break her Angle's arm. I know I was doing because <laughs> I was doing a marathon of a rumble leading up to this year's rumble and I got to this one I'm like this is just fucking uncomfortable. Oh god, they stuck him in there. Who was it? They stuck him in there with Ben Guerrero Holly, and then Chris Hardcore Benoit Holly. And Hardcore Holly. Like Hardcore Holly literally like I understand Benoit and Angle because uh, no Benoit and um, Eddie because they're like best mates with Angle. Then you have fucking hardcore Holly. He clearly just wanted to beat someone up because he's a nasty, nasty man. <laughs> well, he just wanted to show. It's just so fucking horrible. It's vital watching. And but yeah, Tough Enough has a really great. Like even this season, it had Sonya Deville um, and Mandy Rose, who have cast now on SmackDown, and it had the Velveteen Dream. Like so, can't really complain. Can you? Yeah. It's like no, it's like X Factor, the winner. Never does anything good, but then you have sometimes the runners up become like surprising hits. Yeah. Anyway, we spent a lot of time on top and off there. Now we have Samoa Joe versus Baron Corbin. Now, um, Samoa Joe came in at the end of um, not the last takeover, the takeover before, I believe, um, to save Sami Zayn from Kevin Owens. And he was originally just going to be a free agent who would come in to help elevate younger guys, but then they saw he was going to have a match in Ring of Honor, and they were like, hang on, no, why would we not sign Samoa Joe if we have the in? So we signed then, Samoa Joe. And they realized that he's fucking amazing. And then they realized, we'll get into that in a second, but yeah, he's absolutely amazing. Baron Corbin has just been beating everyone in quick fashion. His biggest feud so far being with Rhino and big time bull dancing. <laughs> Jeez. Oh. I'm not letting that go. Fuck Bill Dempsey. Anyway, <laughs> fucking saying we're not fucking big time. Anyway. <laughs> You'll come home when your podcast gets big timed by Bull Dempsey. <laughs> by Bill Dempsey. The man who took on Super Crazy at Shug's House Party for. Fuck you. Anyway, um, Baron, Co- Baron, the what's going on here is Baron Corbin has not been enjoying the influx of international talent, saying, I am the best, best. I just had to make a phone call and I was here. Then Samoa Joe just going, you had to make a phone call. They called me. Uh, that was amazing. I love that. That was um, basically Baron Corbin kept being a dick. Joe squared up to him and that was the feud. Basically, Baron wanted to fight. Joe wanted to fight. Fight. Um, Samoa Joe is so legit. He like he sort of lost some of that because of the main roster nowadays, but that always happens. Samoa Joe here, I felt like he could kill someone. Oh, yeah. Brilliant. And he's always had that up until about a year ago. And that's what, so like, after his feud with AJ and he started going nowhere, like, now I do feel, like, at this point, he felt like he could murder you. And that's, that's what's so good about him. Joe is menacing. He's the most legit person on this show. He's the legit, most, next to um, Brock, he's the most legit person on the roster. On the main roster, yeah, but like no one's legit on the main roster, man. Come on. Um, I quite enjoyed this match. I really enjoyed this match. I really enjoyed it. This match so felt just... like a, this match felt like an actual fight. Yeah, it was just... and especially on Joe's part, there was no wasted movement. When Corbin was in control, yeah, he did the whole taunting, but that's what ultimately did him in. So like it was a, it was a good solid story, and Samoa Joe just didn't waste any movement. Corbin and it, like I remember watching it this time and thinking he is like such a good heel, mm-hmm. such a good character. 
I think he was good at this point. Like, I think he should have maintained that. He didn't maintain the, um, I I am here because I am the best. Um, it's my birth. Um, it's not my birthright to be here, but I'll fucking kick the doors down. He doesn't kick, yeah. maintain that now. because He's just a fucking angry bartender now. <laughs> and just, I don't know what lost it. Because it's wait, he could even cut like decent promos back then. Like literally what the fuck's happened. He's still well, a good talker, he, to be fair. He, no, he's, he's, he's saying that the time he's, he's like, this is just me. He's just like, this is me. I'm not playing any part. This is me. No, exactly. Like, he's literally, he's a moody cunt. And that's, that's sort of like how uh, Bret Hart was best when he was just playing a moody cunt. Because that's just what he is. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, anyway, so, like, the strikes in this match, especially from, from Joe, were great. Like, I love Joe's um, back, uh, back elbow into an insecurity that he does in the corner. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And there's a point in this match where Ro- Joe rolls up Corbin and then when Corbin kicks out, transitions into a half crab and then transitions into an FDF. It's like, <laughs> fuck, that is the thing you would do in an actual fight. This isn't working. I can see he's about to get out of it. Quick, go into another thing before he has a chance to realize what's happening. Yeah. Joe really? at this point was just one of the best on the roster. Still is. Very mild. Yeah. Um, Corbin. Carbon swept. Um, Carbon sweeps. I've, I've got my notes are really bad now. Um, legs. Um, no. Carbon. Um, jo, Joe sweeps Carbon's legs off of the apron and throws him into the barrier. Must the most legit barrier throw I've ever fucking seen. <laughs> I actually felt like Joe was throwing Baron. It was amazing. Both men end up going back and forth, and an insiguri followed by a super kick takes both men down. Joe starts punching Corbin on the ropes like it's an actual fucking boxing match. I was fucking, I was marking out as someone who enjoys big half matches. I was marking out at this point. Um, massive back fist from Joe. It made me wince that back fist. Well, just the selling is just as good as well. Like no, exactly. Sort of thing that, uh, um, they go. He goes for a muscle buster. Um, gets booed for his efforts. End of days was ducked into a Kikita clutch, which was countered into a choke bomb, and then from the mount pin from a choke bomb, Joe kicked out into a fucking into a um, Kikuda clutch and won. Holy fuck! Holy <laughs> fuck! What that was an amazing ending. This is Baron Corbin's best match today. Yeah, which is worrying considering it was four years ago. Um... Yeah, no, exactly. And this, I don't think it's any fault of his own. Look who they put him against. John Cena. Right, right, John Cena, right, right, that is completely fair. He's that literally is, just is... had a full year feud with Seth Rollins. Okay, yeah, okay, I, but the Rollins isn't, Rollins can't carry someone. Hmm, I disagree. Okay, name one person Rollins carried. Reigns. <laughs> right, no, because Reigns is a better worker than Corbin, come on. Yes, but Rollins still carried into a good match at that point. You know, 2015-16, Reigns wasn't capable of carrying someone. He is now, but he wasn't then at all. Yeah, Rollins but is by, by the time... far a better worker. By far. And he's capable of carrying. He carried Kane, for God's sake. <laughs> that was not... You cannot argue that Kane match was a good match. Come yeah, on. You can't drag Kane to a good match at any point after 1997, but never mind. This is a weird... How have we got on to Kane? Um, just quickly... <laughs> Why has Baron Corbin got the weirdest belly button in wrestling? He does have such a weird belly button. Why does it, it look looks like it's down it, it, it looks like his torso has melted. 
Is it the saddest belly button in the world, do you think? <laughs> <laughs> because once you see that as a mouth, his torso's just a face. I think there's a reason they make him wear a wig. <laughs> <laughs> He's got nipple eyes and a sad belly button face. It's it's just a sad time. It really is. I really enjoyed this, though. I really enjoyed the fact that they, they played on the fact that Corbin had only been battering jobbers. And mm-hmm. he, he hadn't been having matches well, that have been going on too long. And there's the moment, really early on in the match, where he throws Joe into the corner and basically walks away. Because that's what he's usually doing as jobbers. He slammed them into the corner. They'll need a moment to recover. Corbin can turn around and taunt. But Joe catches him in the cocaine clutch. And it, mm-hmm. that inexperience that Corbin shows there, I really enjoyed. It, it wasn't anything big. It was just a quick story beat. But I really you know- enjoyed it. You know this felt like you know like in, sometimes in MMA, MMA when like when a really experienced person will go up against a trainee um, in like a sparring match like not an official fight but like a sparring match. This is kind of what that felt like in that both men are capable fighters, but the inexperience of the other guy is what's costing him because he's too busy getting distracted. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like this felt like an actual like this would not feel uh, out of place on like a modern day Ultraman card. It's sort of that style. Yeah, and I, um, I, I, like honestly, it's so it's actually it's kind of like a Kenta Miyahara match where nothing is overly amazing, but like just how it's done is so good. Baron Corbin owns the prettiest move, or two of the prettiest moves in WWE with Deep Six and End of Days. He managed to get Samoa Joe up for the Deep Six, but then yeah. followed it up with the weakest, the weakest suplex. I've ever seen. The thing is, the Deep Six wasn't a move yet. I think it was the first time he properly busted out, and then we were like, "Oh, that would that would actually be a really good move." It was a lot of momentum, though, wasn't it? Because Joe has to run at him, but that suplex where he almost he gets Joe up a quarter of the way, and then goes, "Oh, I am fucked here," and then sort of just drops him, and Corey Graves goes, "Suplex, kind of." I think. I think there's a reason they didn't have him tr- attempted end of days on Joe in this match. They did it in the build-up, but not in this match. I think it's also to de- to protect the move because it had just been destroying people. But I I really enjoyed this. I I'd give it a seven, a high seven, low eight, depending on what you guys say. I really I'm, like I'm, this. I've got seven. Yeah. I've got seven. I thought seven was I, fair. I I really enjoyed this. These two would actually meet at the next takeover. Uh, in the um, finals of the Dusty Rose Tag Team Classic. <laughs> can you guess who their, can you remember who their respective partners were? I can. I okay, go ahead. Okay. Uh, it was Finn Balor with Samoa Joe. Yes. And it was... Oh, wasn't Rhino. It was... Oh, fuck. Who was it? Oh, God. oh fuck. No, can't remember. Go on. It was Ryan. Oh, was it Ryan? <laughs> <laughs> do you I remember? Thought... Who, do you remember? Do you remember who they beat to um, get to the final in, on the same show? No, no, I can't. It was um, they. Um, Rhino and Corbin beat American Alpha. Of course. In in an absolute, it was actually it's probably Rhino's best match ever, and um, the Samoa Joe and Balor team beat the Revival. Oh, but that's a good match. It, it's a decent match. Actually, I I prefer the um, Alpha Corbin Rhino match. Oh, fair enough. Anyway, after this match, um, Asuka, Ric Flair, and Sadie Slaughter in the crowd. Like, they didn't make a big deal of, of, of Asuka. 
They didn't even have a name for her, did they? No, but it, she was still her um, stardom name, which I've forgotten. Um, then Team B-A-D. Which I, <laughs> oh, I forgot what that stands for. I think it's beautiful and dangerous or something like that. Um, Naomi, Naomi and Tamina. Tamina, the worst worker in WWE women's history, comparatively. <laughs> she 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 murders a match in the same way her dad will, mur- will no, murder his no, wife. No, no, <laughs> Not proved. Vince will cover it up. Not proved. Vince <laughs> will cover it off like steroids. Anyway. <laughs> Next, the guys, the did you know? should have stood for fucking botches and dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> that was the first proper joke we've ever had on Podmania. <laughs> anyway, oh. did you, I have a fun fact for you, lads. I don't live for fun facts, man. Did you know that Stephanie McMahon created women? Oh, I've heard hell, a rumor. <laughs> right, Fuck so, I, guys, I'm going to... Uh, so, like, I was just furiously typing obscenities during her whole promo. And so I'm going to read out what I wrote um, word for word very quickly, because it's not long. Um, I, I started, you ever notice how shit her theme is? Which, to be fair, because oh, yeah. I keep hearing it in 2K19 when I'm setting up a universe mode. And because I keep forgetting <laughs> to turn it off. No, it has Mama Sita to the off a meter. That is the worst line in any WWE theme song. That's what it says. Mama Sita off a meter, she a go-getter. Fucking hell. <laughs> yeah, because she re- looks really hard getting a job in her dad's multi-million dollar company. Um, <laughs> when I went on, why is she here? Fuck off. No one likes you. Go away. Don't you have Raw to ruin? Wait, this is. This, does this make her a good deal? Because I hate her. Nah, fuck off, Steph. Go away. <laughs> why are you still here? Yes, cool. You've got your PR speech in. in. Now fuck off. And then the next match started, uh, <laughs> which was Bailey versus Sasha Banks. Now, story here, Bailey is the most over person in the whole of NXT. She has been had many opportunities, but only doesn't quite get it. And she sort of had a mini Sami Zayn, like how Sami Zayn went through other people who he had beaten. Um, that's what Bailey did. He went, she went through um, ba- um, Becky Lynch, Emma, and Charlotte to win um, to earn her last opportunity at the title. Whereas Sasha Bax, who had been just been a prick. For the last wee while, um, won the match at won a match at Fatal Four Way to win the title, beat Becky Lynch in an extremely underrated match. Seriously, go watch Becky Lynch versus um, Sasha. That's su- it's such a good match. Um, uh, NXT Takeover, unstoppable, I believe. Amazing stuff, and just yeah, it's basically just the ultimate heel versus the ultimate face, and that's sort of reflected in the entrance where Bailey comes out having a normal entrance with the wacky waving inflatable arm flailing tube men, which I hate the main roster because they call them the wacky wave inflatable arm flailing Bailey buddies, and the way Byron Saxon says that makes me want to kill myself. Jesus Christ, why have you ruined Bailey anyway? Um, and then Sasha Banks came out in a Cadillac surrounded by burly men, and I'm like, that's the most heel entrance I've she's, ever she's still got, seen. like, a really good pop. No, she got a great... Because she's the best... One of the best workers on um, NXT. She's, like, the second best thing about NXT at this time, other than Owens. So, she, she comes out, and they lift her onto the ring apron, which I absolutely love. I'm barely sporting a little Dusty Rhodes... Um, headband, which I thought was a classy way to honor him. 
Um, unlike Tommy Dreamer, who every time he's on a normal elite can Ugh. wears the the fucking polka dots on. Um, yeah, and it's sort of like you no, Tommy. It was like, all right first, but stop. It me. was all right to all in, but then it happened that, and it's like you clearly just really, really want to drop. Too bad Tommy Dreamer's awful on social media because like, do you guys remember ECW? Yes, you won't <laughs> let us forget ECW, Tommy. Stop wrestling in a t-shirt. Anyway. Um, this match had a big... Of all the matches on this card, this match had the big match feel. Yeah, and it had the most sort of hype around no, it as well. Like, this is the match everyone was talking about going into it. Yeah. Because you had, the, uh, obviously, like the... Becky and Charlotte involved. Because and... I'm going to say something, and I'm not sure if it's going to be controversial. If you read... Like, reading my notes back before we came on air today... If you just read that any of the match, you just assume that sounds pretty boring. But it's not about the moves. It's very much about the no. feel of the match. It's all about... No, exactly. Crowd interaction. For crowd exactly. to everything. The start of this match, you've got Corey Graves and the commentary team saying these two know each other inside out. And there's a mm. lovely bit right at the start where Sasha is in the tree of woe and Bailey does something completely innovative, completely new offense, where she springboard elbows Sasha. Sasha, mm. later on in that sequence, she then tries something. I think it's the double knees and Bailey moves. And it shows that Bailey is being innovative while Sasha is being arrogant. She assumes no, that she'll be able to beat Bailey just by being Sasha Banks. She's got no respect for Bailey. And that's shown at the start of the match as well. So I quite enjoyed you know, that exchange before Sasha realises, shit, I'm going to have to start changing things up. And that was just the first, what, what <clears> six, <throat> seven minutes? It was a really yeah, interesting like, dynamic. Um, everything Bailey did at the beginning was surprising. Like, she doesn't, she never just jumps on and punches people. She never, uh, like I said, she never did that elbow. And then she did a lucha arm drag. And it's like, Okay, Bailey. Bailey's come to fucking fight. And um, then a drop kick, which first, it's now a common move for her to do, but it's the first time she ever did it, that drop kick through the apron. Yes. That was it, was, really um, cool. it was actually hard to believe that this is the same Bailey. No, exactly. But, and Sasha, it's hard to, it's, watching this, this, it's hard to believe any of these people. And we'll definitely get into, onto that more like in the main event. What, Onto what Rob was talking about, you know what it reminds me of. Um, so, in Okada and Tanahashi's like first two years of feuding, eventually Tanahashi would keep going for the same offense where he'd target Okada's knee, and eventually Okada would just start ducking, um, d- moving out the way of the knee drop kick, and then Tana had it after that. He just couldn't beat him. It's that's what that's that's exactly what that's like. Mm-hmm. Bailey's done her homework. She's been beaten by Sasha. She no, she's not going to do it again. It's a very King's Road way of booking, actually. Yeah, it was really... Because obviously the, the finish, which I will get on to in a minute as well, also plays on that, on the fact that Sasha, rather than just beating Bailey, she's got to embarrass Bailey as well. And that arrogance ultimately leads to Sasha mm. dropping the title. She, she needs to humiliate, but eventually that switches. Like, when she has Bailey in the bank statement, Sasha just becomes fucking ruthless and starts... Destroying <laughs> Bailey's hand. The I, way I, she I really did, like that. When she um planted over the ref, I was I forgot that happened. I was like, holy fuck! Because now every time Sasha dies, I, I assume she's gonna break her fucking neck. So she did that. Didn't botch it. I'm like, oh thank Christ! And then started putting Bailey's hand in the in the um, stairs. Stead. 
and then yeah, kick exactly. the stairs. That looked yeah. brutal. It looked it's fantastic. So simple, it's so simple. No one had to take a massive bump, but the crowd were fucking so into it. Um, and that that's like wrestling perfection right there. Yeah. I, I did enjoy that. I really enjoyed that. And I enjoyed the fact that obviously they worked on the fact that Bailey had broken a hand and was out for two months. And then they, you know, they worked, they took all the taping off and they worked it again. Mm. And then whatever he was in the bank, and Bailey kept got Sasha belt in her hand. It was a really, really good way of doing it. Um, you've got Bailey's comeback, which, you know, isn't the greatest comeback. I'm not going to lie. It's just the no. double arms. It's just the double axe handle. It's not the greatest. But I did really enjoy Sasha taking the piss out of Bailey. Just when mm-hmm. Bailey sort of sat there and Sasha does that woo thing before slapping her in the face. <laughs> I really enjoyed that. I was just that was just being a bitch. It was great. Loved yeah. it. Well, like it's um, you were talking about Bailey being interested. It's only when Sasha started doing different stuff, like when she eventually got the knees off. She didn't just do the knees. She did it from the top. Yeah, Which, and then don't at me. It's better than Loki's stupid fucking oh opponents holding himself up for no fucking reason. And that uh, no, I, no matter no matter how cool it looks, it's always just shit because of how contrived it is. But like the way Sasha did it, she didn't give Bailey time to. Bailey was already prone, and she didn't give her time to get down. And like, well, like it was actually a second attempt because Bailey caught on like a bulldog power slam position. And then she got out of it. Because every time Sasha got out of it, it wasn't like some cool counter. She just like got out of whatever Bailey was doing and threw her head into something. Mm-hmm. That's, like Sasha was ruthless. She did not care. And then the ending of this match where it looked like um, Sasha was going to do something crazy off the top. And then Bailey did a fucking top rope reverse Rana. Which at the time, this is before I was massive into the indie. So that's the first time I ever saw a thing like that. And I was like, what the fuck was that? Is she that dead? Was really good. Sasha Banks is oh. dead. I love that spot anyway, like, yeah, no, no matter who does it. It's something I noticed in when I was watching all the takeovers earlier in the summer, where um, the women's matches, if you read what they did, it's maybe not amazing, but because it built. Like, um, for example, in earlier, um, the Charlotte-Bailey match earlier that year, um, Bailey, um, a big moonsault was a big spot in the match. And that's what I kind of like about the women's division at this time, where they're not doing anything stupid. They're not killing each other. Mm. They're, they're doing really well built up matches. Anyway, so, and also that Meteora from Banks. Just ouch. <laughs> Fucking ouch. And like, maybe this way, this match was so good that you were not complaining about the belly to belly once. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which is Such like is is that the is that the worst finisher on the main roster? Um I mean it's not as bad as the Judas effect. No, the Judas effect is fairly wank. Um Yeah. On the main roster. Um Let's let's go I... for yes for now and then we'll look We'll have a think, and we'll come together, and we'll uh, we'll decide if it's if it actually is the worst finisher. Anyway, so I what do you give me, what do you give this match, guys? Oh, you go first, Garth. It was close to a nine, <laughs> but I gave it a high eight. Okay, because as much as like the. The match was really good, and some parts of it were... I don't know what... There's a part in it, like, 
maybe it's like sort of halfway through. It's before they go outside and do the sort of hand uh, spot and all that, where it just sort of died for a bit. And I don't know if it's when Sasha gets on top and she starts sort of overdoing the um, sort of playing at the crowd and stuff. It just that the floor just died, and then obviously Bailey gets back, sort of a hand smashed and stuff. And I liked a lot of the spots, but there's I don't know, like I don't know if it's just because the matches over time been built up so much that I was expecting more. But it was still like it was easily the best match of the night by quite a margin. But there was just something missing. I don't know what. And the ending, I didn't really like that whole. Let's get together as a fucking tribe again and be the, the four fucking horsewomen or whatever you want to call we'll them. Get um, that in a, we'll get onto that in a second, Gaff, because that is a separate so, bullet point. But it sort of spoiled it for us in a way. And, and I just think Bailey's a shite character. I really do. <laughs> All right, Rob? Uh, I'm going to go nine. I think it falls short of a ten. Um, I think it's. I think, a... if, I think it personally flirts with being a ten, but it's not quite a ten. No, it's it's a good match. It's a fan, well, it's a fantastic match. Um, Undoubtedly, WWE match of this year for me. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong; they didn't exactly have a lot to play with um, in that <laughs> category in 2015. Um, but I don't know. I I agree with Garth. There were bits where it sort of lulled. I thought the big spots were great. Um, Bailey's character is shite. Yes, it's it's an but issue. It was but in so, NXT, but it was so over. In NXT, no, for the small crowd, and then when it translated to a big crowd because it was like NXT's WrestleMania, it was perfect. Well, I think I mean, I'm never, look, I'm more never, villains, for example. I, think, I never, I never got that character ever. Even when she, I was watching the NXT and she was huge, I just that's that's because just, just a big I child. Watching, <laughs> I, that's that, exactly. Yeah. I think that's something that's missed in the main roster was her development. She actually did develop. Develop in very subtle ways, like the way she's wrestling here and the way she wrestled her last one-on-one ma- um, title match with Charlotte, a very different character than that. And but I think that's something that was lost in the main roster because you just don't had Bailey and it's suddenly, hey, Bailey's here, yay! And then there's this people who don't watch NXT going, well, who the fuck's this clown? You know what I mean? Like, and then and then the only way they explain it is she hugs people. It's like fuck off. I know, like she's the, her, her whole thing was she was a mark and then she had to grow out of being a mark into being a wrestler. Yeah, basically what would, it's basically what would happen if I became a wrestler. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> right, stop asking for fucking autographs and punch me. Um, See, I'd be the opposite. I'd be like, fuck you. What are you doing? I <laughs> get off I, agree, I I agree with a nine. Um, I really enjoyed this match, NXT match of the year, and like in a year like, and I would contend when it comes to the match of the year because it had a lot of competition. Um, Cena's Open Challenge was a thing this year. Um, oh, yeah. yeah, I had. You had a siege with Kevin Owens. You had um, the Seth Cena match at SummerSlam the night after. Um, it, it Brock was still putting in cool performance. Oh, no, but, no, it wasn't. No, Brock's Reigns match, actually, which I believe me and Garth gave an eight when we retro-reviewed it. That was really good. Um, there was a bunch of really good matches in 2015. Match quality is never WWE's problem. Nice. Okay. Anyway, so the Horsewomen have their curtain call, and I know Garth hates it. We'll let, we'll let him get onto that in a second. But I think it's a case of because the three of them had moved up, um, they needed to have that because otherwise he'd still have no closure because so Sasha would stay, stick around NXT. She had one more takeover um, where they had the Iron Woman match. But the other two were never going to be seen in NXT and they hadn't had their closure yet because they had um, a random... They were on the pre-show. So I think for the sake of 
a moment. And this match was all built around Bailey feeling left out of the half woman. It made sense. I'll take your word I, for it. I'm happy I, to I concede in this one. I no, I, I'm with you, man. I think there was no, there was no need for it here. Yes, it's Bailey's big culmination of yes, she's finally got the title. That's fine, but I don't. You didn't need this to emphasize just how big that was. Okay, the crowd knew how big it was. That's why they were so invested in the match. The pop that we get from the victory, that was what we needed. We didn't need the huge, you know, basically having I mean, it shoved down our throats. These four are women that like each other. But I think that was one issue. It's just for one time, the women's revolution PR bullshit that was going on in the main roster trickled down. Because I was talking to my friend about it the other day because... Honestly, I don't think the main rosters to date has had a good women's storyline because they don't let the women have storylines. They have, this is women making history still to this day and none of the women ever have good storylines because of it. But down in NXT, you have great, like the next year was, I believe, was the Ember and Asuka. Um, no, two years from now was the Ember and Asuka thing. And it's sort of like, well, that was great. That was a great feud yeah. that built. And then even after, like, that's the thing, NXT always had great girl. Like, Nikki Cross was over as fuck down in NXT. Um, Asuka, Carrie Sane, like, all, all this influx started coming in. Like, because Asuka would debut at the takeover after this, actually defeating Dana Brooke. So, I, I'm, so, I'm, so we just sort of let the women have their storylines. Whereas up on the main roster, it's just all, P, it's all PR, it's all spin. It's all them trying to go, look, we're pushing women. And it's like, does that mean at one point you didn't push women? No, you, shut <laughs> up. It's just... I don't, I don't like how the main roster handled any. I don't, the only two women who has done justice here on the main roster were Lynch and um, Charlotte. Yeah, mm. to spend time with them. I, I know you think Sasha Banks got more than we give WWE credit for, Rob. I like Sasha Banks still, and I like Sasha. Um, we, we won't get into Sasha's situation right now because we'll be here all night. Anyway, next up, we had Seth Rollins said next to his Nazi girlfriend who he cheated on him, um, who he um, cheated on her with his wife, weird thing. So then his wife put Seth Rollins' penis on Twitter, which people kept sharing without um, some, any sort of warning. So I have seen Seth Rollins' penis and that's the <laughs> thing that's happened in my life. Um, Seth at the time of the WWE champion going to go into SummerSlam the next day against John Cena which whereas the match where John, where John Stewart cost John Cena the World Championship and the US Championship and then they'd go on to fucking Vengeance or whatever it was where Seth Rollins beat, beat Sting but lost to Cena which the <laughs> match where can you see can you see why do you, do you see why I was looking for something that wasn't the main roster at this point. I think everybody was. And it would Gaff, you'd have a last impact. <laughs> hey, I had a sabbatical and then I went back. <laughs> Thing is, impact was good at this point. We were having the um there was a freeway feud going on with the Dudley, the Wolves and the Hardys. And they kept and they had like a best of three or whatever and, and people kept picking different stipulations and it was always great. <laughs> Like, both three teams worked really well together. Like, even Devon, and Devon's drizzling shit. Um, anyway, it was also announced that NXT is going on a UK tour. Did any of you guys attend any of the UK stuff? I did nope. not, no. I was currently out of touch with wrestling. Ah. At this point. Bray Wyatt was the reason I came back into wrestling, and that was in... 
Ooh, it was just after Mania 31, so, but I had it, I, you know, I was just a casual fan at that point. I didn't think I even knew NXT existed until I got WWE 2K17. So, there you go. I, I, at this point, I was too young to get into the venue on my own, and my parents wouldn't, none of my, I decided fact I offered to buy the tickets, none of my parents would, my parents wouldn't come with me, so. Oh my God, Chris, we get it, you're young. <laughs> ah, Jesus Christ. And was this... <laughs> Oh, yeah, like, this is 2015, but the venues were like 18 plus, and I was 17 at the time when oh, tickets went on sale, I think. Oh, oh, God, that's so depressing. <laughs> God, how old were you in 2015? 34. <laughs> <laughs> you could legit be Chris's dad. I know. Absolutely vile. Oh, sorry, man. <laughs> I'm surprised when we were walking around Newcastle the other um, the other week that someone didn't go and for your son. <laughs> Don't worry, I'll get these. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, he wouldn't he wouldn't let me pay for my own pizza. So <laughs> anyway, um next we're on to Owens versus Valor in a ladder match, which was quite the tasty problem. Not really, but we'll get into that. So, Kevin Owens is a prize fighter. He destroys everyone in his past world, the NXT champion. Guys, okay, so I, I thought about it, and I, and in the last month, month in the last six weeks going up to this match, how many feuds was Kevin Owens in? Three. Six. <laughs> yeah, so, Cena. He, okay, yeah, John Cena. That's one. Sammy Is that with the open challenge? Um, yeah, um, Sammy Dane is another one, yes. Who is he f- facing tonight, lads? How is it taking Ballard. so long to get to that? Baller, yes, yeah, so, so there's three. Who the fuck were the other three? Right, okay, so mm-hmm. there, was, there was Samoa Joe, who never, who their feud was never resolved because um, he went up to the main roster, but Joe wanted to fight Owens, who was basically next in line after this. Um, I think the plan was to have him have a TV thing to get Joe number one contender, but then Owens was obviously in the main roster, so he couldn't do that. Um, Hideo Itami, who, because um, Owens had laid him out in the car park um, to take to write Hideo off of TV, and Cesaro, who um, Owens was facing the next night on SummerSlam. Never knew he had one with Cesaro. Yeah, who was that's who was facing the next night on SummerSlam. So six feuds in uh, all at once, and he could balance it perfectly because it's Kevin Owens. <laughs> Busy ass man. So Kevin, good in there in this. In the Kevin, Kevin Owens is always Kevin Owens is, is like Stone Cold, where you can have him in the million feuds at once. Because Stone Cold at one time was feuding with Mankind, The Rock, and Vince. So like, Owens is just amazing. He's the best all arounder on NXT at this time. He has everything. Hmm. Anyway, so in Sumo Hall and the Beast in the East special, which is the best name. Any special, I think we can agree. Has the network had a better name for a special? I I don't know. Slamville is... uh... (laughs) What was the uh, road? Oh, Roadblock. 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 To to be fair, Triple H and Dean Ambrose had a great match on Roadblock. Good match. Um, I don't know. I'd give it an 8 out of 10 from what I remember of it at the time because people legitimately thought Ambrose was going to win. But anyway... um... Owens, after losing the title in Japan, Owens claimed it's because it was on Finn Balor's home ground. So Owens says, right, we're having it in my turf in New York City in a ladder match, which is basically um, Owens' turf. 
Owen Surf because his most famous match pre-joining WWE was, of course, the ladder wars with El Generica in the <laughs> Hammerstein Ballroom. So Finn Balor took the match to prove that it wasn't a fluke in Japan and that he is actually the champion. Lats. <laughs> Kevin Owens coming out going... I loved Kevin Owens' entrance. It was so simple, simple but it works with his character because he's just a prize fighter. And I love Kevin Owens' style because it, it is like he's an amateur fighter. He's not disciplined, but he'll punch you in the face. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? It's like, do you know, you know what I mean, though? Like, he's not... Like, Finn Balor, obviously, the way he moves is like his kicks. He is a very disciplined fighter who has spent time in a Japanese dojo. Oh, yeah. Whereas Kevin Owens fights like someone who taught himself to fight. Yeah. And he fights like someone who just wants to get it done. Yeah, he no does. That sort of played into this match later on. Also, Balor's entry. We have lost something with the demon on the main roster. Yeah. And I think it's because they tried to say it's someone else. Whereas down on NXT, it was a sort of a ritual. Yeah. Like it was like it was like war paint down in NXT and then up on the main roster it's just ooh, he turns into a demon. <laughs> and it's like fucking that's like something I came up with when I was drunk and did D and D, not fucking who who are you hiring, Vince? Anyway, um Balor's entrance still gives me goosebumps. Any demon entrance in NXT is just a link. And like and Balor's it's still amazing at this time. It's weird, but I saw an interview with Simon Gotts where he said Balor um, didn't want to do his art um, in NXT. He just wanted his money. And it's sort of like, it, it's weird because like Balor was like the best worker in NXT at this time. Like, if this is Balor not trying, that is such a. Find that hard, I believe. But I, I say that. It's, I don't think my fa- any of my favorite matches of his is in WWE at all. Like, my favorite match with him is probably his match with Bushi at Wrestle Kingdom 8, I believe. <laughs> and I, I know you haven't, but believe me, at one point we'll do Wrestle Kingdom Eight because that's such a fucking good show. But anyway, what do you guys think of Balor's entrance? Love it, love it, love it. <laughs> Three loves from Gaff. Because it's, like, I keep saying, pageantry. It adds to the big time feel of it. It adds to the grandeur of it all. That's why we watch wrestling. That's why I watch it. <laughs> you, I, I like grandeur. Watches TNA. <laughs> I was just going to say, <laughs> Moose is nothing but pageantry, for God's sake. Uh, okay, I'll give you Moose, but I'll give you no one else in here. Killer Cross. He's not pageantry. He fucking waterboarded the Sandman. Yeah, it's all a sort of... It's all that's not pageantry. That's a, that's a felony. He should be arrested. <laughs> Killer Cross legit... It's always weird when I see Killer Cross on Instagram, because he's all lovey-dovey with Scarlet Bordeaux, and I'm like, he definitely hits her. Anyway... <laughs> Uh, <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I can't divorce Killer Cross's character from him. It's very... Because I just see... He plays it so well, I'm just like, that is in real life. Because in real life, like, Killer Cross would hit women. The character, not the person. We don't want the lawsuits here at Podmania because we do not have a legal division. We have 30 listeners. Anyway. Ah, anyway. So the two sort of basic. These two thoughts... Um, like they wanted, instead of wanting to do high spots, they just wanted to beat each other up and climb the ladder. There was no mad scramble for the belt. They were very. There was no. Um, it wasn't very graceful, any of it. No, you know, it was, you remember the SummerSlam '98 um, Triple H versus The Rock ladder match. Oh yeah, yeah. It's like okay. that. That where uh, Triple H uh, cuts himself. I can't remember. Rather deeply. No, I don't think it's that one. 
That sounds like Rob's. It sounds like more like Rob's era of wrestling. Was that? Was it Rob? Oh, um, <laughs> SummerSlam '98. Might be. Um, <laughs> I haven't watched. Oh God, I haven't watched that show in years. The highest grossing SummerSlam ever. Yeah, you're another guess at the second highest grossing SummerSlam ever. It's. Uh, 92 nope 2005 yeah did you watch the same review as I did no but 2005 is Shawn Michaels versus Hulk Hogan I mean yeah he was like a salmon we need to do that show at some point <laughs> <laughs> spider monkey Michaels <laughs> up on spider monkey ah twilight anyway oh, um <laughs> There's a point early in this match where someone got ejected. Yes, and that was where all the crowd was just turned. You see it on the hard cam where the yeah. two are wrestling and everyone is just turned round watching I this person. Go. I looked into this. So I keep seeing conflicting reports, but the one I keep seeing, I saw come up more than once, is that the guy tried to throw a streamer when Balor came in. <laughs> and of course, WWE has none of, none of anyone throwing anything. No, understandable, so, to be fair. Yeah. Fun will be had. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, and your fun. Not, you, Marks, will not have your streamers. <laughs> but, yeah, so, and then, like, two minutes later, it's like, welcome back, welcome back. And he, got, he was allowed back in. It was probably, <laughs> just, it's probably oh, it was just a streamer. Yeah, sorry, mate, just get the back in. Because <laughs> we're ruining. To be fair, they brought it back. They did bring it back, so bring yeah. what back? The the, the crowd. The oh, crowd I see what you mean. Sad. Sorry, I was like, <laughs> fuck's sake! This, there was no streamer. <laughs> it went into the crowd, grabbed the streamer, like let's try this again. Um, really, I mean, the crowd was sort of in and out of the match, and it always seemed to be whenever like there was a ladder shot, the crowd were sort of popping big for it. But then it got to the we want tables, and it's like fuck you. <laughs> yeah, fuck off. It's like an impact crowd. Anyway. Um, when ladders did come into play, it took a while. Um, Owen started destroying Balor Blood on the outside. He teased a cannonball into the ladder, but just stopped and punched him. Brilliant. I thought that I was that. great. That's such a simple heel thing. Total work the crowd. Exactly. Um, we ended up brawling into the crowd, um, which was mad. Um, then they came back, and Owen just threw Balor at Byron Saxton, which makes him my hero. <laughs> It's like last year when Jay White kept attacking Kevin Kelly. I'm like, please, keep doing that. Um, which, by the way, Kevin Kelly can still fuck off. Sound excited, for fuck's sake. Anyway, um, Balor starts climbing the ladder, but Owen pulls him down. There was, no, there was only one crazy ladder bump all night. And that was at the end. Well, I mean, that the one with them, where we sort of run and drop kicked the ladder. Okay, on. yeah, but that's not exactly a ladder bump. I don't think the ladder was meant to go flying like it did. Yeah. <laughs> It's not as bad as in fucking MSG earlier this year for Ring of Honor. Jay Lethal threw the ladders out and it hit someone. Great. <laughs> and the crowd were chanting back the lawsuit. Which is great. Anyway, so they kept jostling. Like, literally, most none of this match had ladders, basically. The biggest spot was um, Balor getting apron bombed because that took out Zayn, that took out Cena. So... Some great stuff. Anyway, Owen's also powerbombing Balor off of it. Sets up a ladder um, bridge mm. to um, to deliberately do his weird superplex thing. Like, Owen has a certain way of doing a superplex where it's him like on the top rope. 
Yeah. And he was going to do that onto the ladder. But then Ballas is sort of like, nah, mate. And just pushes him on. Does a cutie grat and makes sure he's fucking dead. And then pulls down the title. I, I really enjoyed it. I, this was, in modern day context of rest of ladder matches, this was felt different. So I liked it. Yeah, it was really good. Because it didn't do, like you say, they didn't go over the top with the ladder moves. No, that, it, this wasn't like an X division match. It was just two lads having a fight. It's basically mid, a normal match, but with a different wing condition. Yeah, and the, I mean, the mid climbing the ladder means something. No, exactly. It, like, I, I don't. I should have counted, but I think they must have only climbed the ladder like five or six times throughout the whole yeah. match. And the some of those uh, ladder shots were fucking brutal. I know that's the thing. The ladder shots meant something because there wasn't. It's not like I was beginning with a money in the bank match where there'd be a million of them. Like there was a few of them, and that made the few ever. That's the thing about NXT. They did a great job of bringing in people and slowing them down. Because yeah. like really Bala, he's not doing calf for shit. No, that's the thing. Because NXT now don't slow them down too much. They just, with the exception of don't pile drive people, they sort of let them do what they want. Whereas back then there was still a lot of bad moves. Like a poison run and was still a treat for the crowd. Mm. So, and I don't know, it's just these two are wrestling. They're wrestling still wrestling their style. We didn't have to accommodate their style for the other one. Like, again, it's like a very disciplined martial artist um, who's been trained in Japan taking on a dad who wants to beat the shit out of you. <laughs> like a drunk dad at a football match. No, that's literally what I have written down. Kevin Owens is fighting like he's at a hockey fight. <laughs> I don't know. What do you think, Rob? I enjoyed this match. <clears throat> um,. I don't know, I wasn't as hyped for it as I was for the Sasha Bailey match. I don't know whether it was because, as you said, Owens was in six different feuds in this, no, you know, think, during this match. And he, and he just came off a trilogy with Cena, so this is by far not his biggest problem. Exactly. Like, literally, the fact that he didn't even lose the title on a takeover and just a random house show in Japan sort of shows how quickly they needed to get Kevin out of NXT. And after his story with Sami Zayn, it was going to be difficult to follow. That you know, don't take anything away from this match. It was a great match. I enjoyed the fact that the ladder wasn't used prevalently in the match. You know, it was mainly just a brawl. Um, I thought Owens just Owens is fantastic. The man is an mm-hmm. absolute godsend to this profession, and just everything like, he does, I absolutely love. The little things he was saying, where he was, where he was just sort of shouting, "Stay down." Yeah, and then exactly. just kick him in the head. But it's, it's always the running thing. Um, WWE shit. Owens is pretty fucking good, though. Because mm-hmm. you look at it, so he, like his feud with Cena was the best thing on Raw. Next year was his tag team with Jericho, which was the best thing on Raw. And, after, and the next year after that was the face of America, which was the best thing on WWE TV. So like he's consistently the best thing about WWE that, TV. I mean, that thing with Jericho, that whole run, was mm-hmm. one of the best things WWE have done in like a decade. No, exactly. The whole yeah. festival of friendship and everything was fantastic. Oh my god, one of the greatest segments in WWE history, the festival yeah. friendship, hands down. It was both of them as well, like just playing the like Jericho being genuinely good. That moment <laughs> had... that moment. Hey, why's my name on this? And everyone just going oh. No, I didn't even I wasn't even watching Raw at the time, but like for some fucking reason I was bored that day. There mustn't have been anything good good on anywhere else. I was like, I'll watch Raw. And then that happened, I'm like, no. No. <laughs> Don't do this to me, Raw. It's like <laughs> Raw. You're hurting Raw. You're hurting me in a very different way from the way you normally hurt me. It's just like um, 
on the Godfather three, which Chris, I don't think you've seen. I've not seen any of the Godfather. It's just when you think you're out, it pulled me back in. This <laughs> is for in. life. We chose. I know. The, I know the model. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, really, really good match. Um, well, there's no more trappings. I think this could have been the semi-main event, and I don't think anyone would have anyone would have been no, bothered yeah. by it. This, is, this didn't feel like a main event. That's the weird thing, because then last match um, in BCB East, that's a great match. I'd recommend going out your way to watch that match. Um, actually, I'd recommend going out your way to watch all the special, apart from the main event, because it's Cena and Ziggler against Kane and Big Show. So, But, um, but like... In what it, dimension is that a fucking main event? I know, because under it was Balor versus Owens for the NXT title. Um, is this on the piece in the East? Yeah. Um, Neville, Neville versus Jericho, which was really good. And then Brock just destroyed Kofi Kingston. Because <laughs> yeah. it's funny, Kofi Kingston came out going, yay, I could beat Brock. And then Lesnar came out and was like, no, I can't beat Brock. Oh, no. And then Lesnar just destroyed the whole new day. But anyway, I, I, I like the difference in this match, but at the same time, I can't remember much from the match. If I didn't have my notes in front of me, I probably couldn't remember it. But it was like it was one of those objectively really well worked matches, which I think, like from how work, well worked it is, deserves an eight. But like I don't remember much from it. Garth, what are you going for? I've gone seven, but I'm happy to concede again on this one. It's it's, it's seven stroke eight. Yeah, it's a seven slash eight, isn't it? I think. Just because Owens makes everything fantastic, I'm going to give him an eight. Um, you're right, Chris, with what you said before. Balor hasn't worked. Like, I mean, I, I have no problem saying I find Finn Balor on the main roster incredibly bland. Um, incredibly oh, main boring. roster thing, yeah. You know, about, the only the only good thing about Balor on the main roster was when he came out um, at WrestleMania 33, I believe, with like because um, he was doing the Balor Club for everyone thing, which I thought was. Great, especially since he has to go to Florida and face homophobes. Oh yeah, but, the pride um, thing was fantastic. But what I loved there was a great where he came out with a bunch of LGBT um, people wearing his thing, and then just someone cut. I think it was Matthew from Botswana captioned it on Twitter. On Twitter, Finn Balor accompanied by all the men who he helped realise was gay. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent, fantastic. So yeah, ultimately. A relatively decent show. So no, this is this is a great show. Well, uh, this is something I want to say for the overall thing. It was paced like a WWE show, and this is why I get so annoyed that WWE shows are so shit because you can do shit like this and it's still really good. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree with you, mate. I agree with you. It's a good show. One of the better NXT takeovers, especially of this early run. The this... standout. Um. Yeah. There's. I think we're the takeover before this, where where like every match was. Awesome, but yeah, yeah. In terms of like just everything coming coming together, this is great. We wouldn't. This is where NXT Takeover started becoming like from a niche thing to a. This has to be on every wrestling fans, like because they used to be on a fucking Thursday, which was good for me because I'd get home from school. I used to watch it. No, I think because I'd get home from school, I have a half day, and it's like, oh man, yes, NXT. But yeah, okay. <laughs> Love the fact that we, I'm, I'm so tired. And we've started talking about days of the week. I, I think we need to end it there, guys. Um, so a couple of notes just before we sign off. Um, the next theme of the retro pay-per-view review is going to be 90s, just to stop Chris picking something fucking new. 
Um, oh, I'm not allowed. To, I'm not allowed to pick anything from Japan either, am I? This time, because no. it's WWE, or WCW. Those are the those are the three those so are the three stipulations. Pick. Yes, nineties so WWF and WCW. So I can't. So I can't pick bigger wrestling universe. No, you cannot what? pick that. I don't know what that is or it's, who it's that the, is. Um, it's the Joshi card from um, the Tokyo Dome of Ajikon versus Miyomi um, Toyota. You're such a fucking mark. It's untrue. <laughs> uh, so we will put all those options for you on Twitter after our next podcast airs. Speaking of our next podcast, it is a list podcast next week and it is going to be the best wrestlers of 2019 so far. It's caused quite the carnage in the group chat. It has. It's been an interesting countdown. Like, it's going to well, be... I think- I think what Rob forgot when he suggested we do top tens every other week is the carnage that the Hall of Fame cost last year. Yeah, we're going to have to rethink how we do the Hall of Fame. Um, Also, (laughs) the YouTube channel, as we've said about 40 times, is going to be completely renovated and changed and all sorts. These retro reviews are going to be accompanied by little video things, which hopefully I'll be able to put together, and they will be released in the next week. So you'll be able to enjoy that on YouTube. So check that out. If you just search Podmania on YouTube, we pop up. Other than that, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in. You can check out our ratings for this show and all our other shows at www.podmania.co.uk. If you want to abuse me, you can find me on Twitter at, at @realrobgoodwin. Garth, where can they find you? At Gothamania. Chris? At CandyChris97. Of course it is. And you can also <laughs> find the podcast at, at Podmania. If, please subscribe to the podcast. You can find us on all manner of podcast platforms we are literally everywhere we are like chlamydia um you can also find us on facebook and instagram please check us out thank you so much for listening guys and we'll talk to you guys again soon you've been listening to the Podmania pro wrestling podcast follow us on twitter at Podmania, facebook at Podmania Podcasts and YouTube and Instagram at RealPodmania. And check out the website podmania.co.uk. Until next time, wrestling fans.